Hey there! Every month, Annie has a call with our Path365 members and answers their questions. She tackles a wide range of topics from what to do with big emotions, what kinds of tips and advice she has for addressing difficult situations, how to deal with cravings, and so much more. Listen in as she does some real-life coaching for our Path members. How do I break the cycle of recurring data points? My best advice to break the cycle of recurring data points is to take the pause. And I know the pause is hard. As we go of day one, day one, look at the predictable outcome of that cycle, right? You're having a day one. You're promising yourself, by the way, we usually promise ourselves we're never going to drink again, which is a goal that we won't know we're successful with until we're dead. So we make this impossible goal. That goal feels terrible inside of our bodies. And so not only have we made an impossible goal that we're never going to know if we win, we've also made a goal that doesn't feel good to us. And of course, now we know for sure that the way to sustain behavior change is by feeling positive toward the behavior change. So we're already on the back foot. And then we come into it and we break the promise to ourselves, And then we're enmeshed in shame and blame. And everything in us just wants to escape that and drink again. And in that cycle is where it gets so loud inside your own head that you are unable to hear the information that's being offered to you every single day. I would say that that recurring cycle of data points is one of the reasons that people aren't successful in the path is because they can't show up and just watch the daily content, watch the daily videos, allow for the information. So your only job right now is to let yourself off the hook. Let your behavior be what it is and show up and watch the videos. That's your only job. That's the best way to break the cycle is to stop making yourself these impossible promises. Human beings, if we don't think we can succeed at something, we will stop trying. And I have never known any better recipe than this day one cycle without any new tools, without any new information, without any new feeling toward alcohol, then to make us feel like this is just hopeless. I might as well just stop trying. We won't try something we don't think we can succeed at. So, so much of this time during the pause where you stop and you start to educate yourself, you start to learn is all about allowing space so that you can actually start to feel differently. And I'm not saying that like, you're going to immediately feel like as if it's motor oil, right? That took a long time. I do feel a lot like alcohol is motor oil now. I, I, I feel no desire for it. I feel repelled by it. I feel disgusted by it. I, I cannot believe that human beings drink something that we put in our gas tank. Um, that's my own personal feelings. But that didn't come day one. That came through me continuing to drink, but letting myself off the hook while I was understanding the information. And by watching my own behavior with so much curiosity, like, what am I doing? Why did I actually want that drink? How was I feeling before? What did I think I was escaping? There is so much gold. There is so much information in being able to watch our own drinking behavior as it's happening. But we can't do that when we're judging ourselves for it. We have to have compassion to be able to do that. Does that make sense? How do I ensure that I continue invest, to invest time and effort in the path throughout the year when life is pulling me in lots of other directions? So one of the things that I might suggest in doing that is just kind of like making 
commitments to yourself that you know that you can keep. So what we tend to do as human beings is we tend to make these commitments to ourselves that are huge, right? Like we're like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking forever, or I'm going to, I don't know, I can't even think of any, but we, we massive, like I'm going to meditate every day. I'm going to become a meditator, right? But if we break it down and be like, okay, this week, based on my calendar, what is my commitment to myself? My uh, friend, Alex Sharfin, and you probably heard this if you've been through the alcohol experiment or you will hear it in the content, but he learned how to be a sharpshooter because his instructor took him all the way up to the target and he would shoot like a foot away from the bullseye. And he would be like, well, of course I'm gonna hit the bullseye. This is ridiculous. And then he would take a step back and he would still hit the bullseye, take a step back, still hit the bullseye, take a step back. And then he would miss a little bit. And his instructor would be like, take a step forward, do it a hundred times until you hit it every time. And then you earn your step back, right? Because the instructors realize that the dynamic of the human brain is if you build on successes, if you build on successes, you are creating the positive emotion that is necessary for behavior change. That success could literally be before you go to bed the night before, tomorrow I'm gonna watch the video. Tomorrow I'm gonna post in the group. And then when you feel like, you know what, I'm gonna do it every day for the next week, but you're constantly building on these successes instead of even in the question, inherent in the question, like how am I going to continue to invest the time and effort necessary throughout the year when life is pulling me in other directions? You can feel the emotional burden of that. You can feel the fear of, this is a year. How am I going to show up for a year? What's going to happen? It's going to be, it's going to be summertime. I'm going to have trips. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But you can feel that like you're taking this burden of an entire year on your shoulders right now. And of course that feels bad. And so I want us all like to commit, like we're going to have spidey sense to what feels good and what feels bad. And around here, if it feels good, like you're doing it right. So make these tiny micro commitments, right? Like there's this like terrible saying, like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? But that's what you wanna do. You wanna do these tiny micro commitments of, okay, this week, I know I can watch five videos. This week, I know I can catch up or next, you know, micro commitments, that's it. But as soon as our brains, it's the same exact thing as like, I'm never drinking again. And how does that, feel. It feels terrifying. It feels, okay, there's, there's one word for it for me when I would make that commitment to myself, punishment. It was literally, I was declaring this because I was punishing myself, generally because I'd overdone it. And now I really had to pay the piper by never doing it again. Now I still liked the thing I was doing, I still thought it was radically important in my life. I still felt like it was the thing that held my life together, that relaxed me, that helped me show up, that made me better at my job, right? But I was making this goal that felt horrible inside my body. And then I was punishing myself even more when I would break it. I understand that like this program is so hard to conceptualize when you're at the beginning and, and it takes so much trust. And that's why I, I say like, it's okay to be skeptical. It's okay to be skeptical. I'm gonna go off script a little bit and I just wanna talk really briefly 
about first order change and second order change. So first order change is when you're changing something within the existing structure. So like if you imagine a box, you're changing something within the box. So if you are a drinker, that's your box, a first order change would be like, I'm taking a 30 day break, or I am, um, I'm trying to you know, abstinence, or I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to, I'm, I'm gonna try to moderate, right? Like you're trying to change something within the existing box of what you know and understand. A second order change is saying like, hey, that box, let's move that box out of the way. A second order change happens where we've actually changed the box, okay? First order change with alcohol is us changing our behavior. I'm gonna drink less, I'm gonna not drink at all, I'm gonna never drink again, I'm gonna only drink on weekends, I'm changing my behavior, the behavior is the box. What we're saying here, what the path is, is we're saying, I want you to move that behavior box out of the way. And I want you to think about the fact that if that box didn't exist, let's forget your behavior. Let's change how you feel. Because if you change how you feel, your behavior will fall into place beautifully. But it's so hard for human beings to understand second order change because we can't imagine it because we're actually inside the box. It is almost impossible for you right now, if you desire drinking, to imagine that you wouldn't desire one. Almost impossible. And that's why like the thousands and thousands of reviews we've gotten for this program, they're like, it's like a magic trick. Annie's like Yoda. Like, because you come on the other side and you're like, how did that happen? And maybe if some of the coaches who have all had their own experience can just like confirm what I'm saying in the chat, like, you're like, what happened? Because all of a sudden you're outside the box and it's like, oh my gosh, all those things don't matter. Cravings don't matter. How long I'm, you know, I, day ones don't matter. Actually, my behavior doesn't matter at all. And if I do drink, it's just a data point and I just learn from it. There's no shame. There's no blame. Right. And so, so many of the questions like that, that I see, you know, about like, there's a lot of questions that have come in that are really about like cravings and, you know, how do I, how do I, um, you know, feel, how do I deal with feeling unsettled and restless and all this stuff. And, and I'll try to get to as many of those questions as possible. But the reality is that like, we're not trying to have a conversation that every other alcohol related, recovery related, like we're not having that conversation here. We're trying to have a totally different conversation and that different conversation comes from you trusting the process, trusting that right now your only job is to let yourself off the hook and look at yourself with grace. And every time you drink, you're doing the best you can with the tools you have, no shame, radical curiosity. And that's, that's the conversation. And I know right now, like you guys are at the point where like, it's just hard to conceptualize. Like I so get that. It's just hard to conceptualize because when you feel like you're in love with the, the person, <laughs> you can't ever, I mean, I, who can remember? Okay. Let's just do this for a second. Who can remember a high school um, boyfriend or girlfriend that you just felt like, oh, this, this is my ride or die. This is the person. If if this person was to leave me 
or this relationship was to break up, literally my life will be over. Or maybe it's college. The one, yes, the one, right? And there, it was so impossible. But how many times have you thought about that person in the last year? Probably none. It's because it changes, but, but desire, desire for alcohol, it's not conscious. We don't consciously, right? Desire, falling in love, it's not conscious. You don't choose who you fall in love with. Desire is, is a result of unconscious wiring of the brain and patterning to where it happens to us. And we feel it. And you sit there and you're like, Annie, I feel it. I, it doesn't matter all this logical stuff. I know I feel it. And I so get that. And I so understand that. And I'm here to say that following this process means we can really unwind some of that desire. And some of it will be unwound once you start to take a break. And once you start to move through life and, and it will become more and more and more, right? It's not like overnight, but the first step, like we're having a conversation about changing how you feel. Because how you feel about drinking is the thing that is going to make this a happy, long-term freedom play or a deprivation-based, probably short-term cyclical struggle. So we're trying to have a different conversation, right? And, and you know, the science is just so, so clear. Self-compassion key for behavior change, positive emotion, key for behavior change. So I'm spending so much time on this right now because I want your lens to shift. That in your life right now, I want you to think about and notice the thoughts that are bringing you pain. And they're probably thoughts of judgment. They're probably thoughts of why do other people get it? Why do I not get it? You know, they're probably these sorts of thoughts, like notice those thoughts and be like, oh, thank you thought. Thank you brain for doing what brains do trying to protect me, trying to, brains literally are, are trying to maintain the status quo because it takes a lot of energy to not maintain the status quo. That's what habits do. And so you're like, thank you, brain, but I'm going to look for something that feels better. I'm going to look for something that gives me freedom. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're ready to see how This Naked Mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more, go to thisnakedmindpodcast.com to learn what your next best step is. Again, that's thisnakedmindpodcast.com. We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious. Thank you.